Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. He's a bit weird, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Hello and welcome to Weird Tales and the Unexplainable. We may as well introduce the show. Uh, I'm your host today, Tiss. Tiss Tiss, doing a little Christmas episode. Well, is near, it? Near Christmas. Uh, it's just fucking near Christmas, isn't it? Theme it as right. Christmas. People oh, will I thought you were weird Christmas. Tiss, Tiss is full of beans tonight. Full of beans. It's good, I like it. Yeah, I haven't smoked any weed. But it's probably got something to do with it. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah right yeah. Yeah. Beef um, introduce yourself uh, I'm Beef I'm introducing myself yeah and uh, this is Bob uh, Brexit oven ready Shoy. yeah this this Ooh. episode's been as oven ready as Brexit for the last few <laughs> no <laughs> I did have an oven ready episode waiting for me last week uh just this week, I just fucking hated it. Well, actually, I hated life a little bit yesterday. I had a little mini breakdown in the evening. Uh, it's as, been a bit like that. As of every evening yeah. of the last few months, to be honest. But uh, just fucking... Do you know what? I'm just... I, I just had this moment where I just said to Liz, you know what? I'm fucking sick of researching human endeavour. I just think every human's a c- and they always have been. And that's... Oh, my no God. Mystery. I was literally having the same rant yesterday at Becca. <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, right. we're talking Our about mysterious, partners. you know, hum- like, I don't know, this show, we kind of glorify human endeavour and sort of, oh, did we do this, did they? Probably not, they're all c- that's what I think. Everyone was a c- The Egyptians, were they mysterious? Now they were probably all c- Just like we are. <laughs> that's just what it's I like think. this is the last episode of Weird Tales. No, no, I've, I've since, <laughs> I've since come to my senses. But... It does just... This it, is terrible. It just gets you down, doesn't it? You just think, oh, you know what? We're all fucking c***s. What's the point in talking about us? Just throw us it's in the, the bin. P- it's all the negativity political stuff getting into your system. It's not even that, though. The political thing is like sort of the camel that broke... <laughs> <laughs> the camel that broke the straw's, the straw's neck. back. Uh, yeah. yeah, it just... Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're not talking about politics in this episode anyway. We're not talking about politics, no, no, but... No, not now. Recent events have just made me feel a little less, uh, more alienated than I've felt in a long time. 
I used to feel quite alienated. No more political tweets that make us lose listeners. Yeah, make us lose. I lost one a few, listener. a few followers at least. Oh really? Did you lose a few followers? They yeah. actually still follow me, so maybe they've still got hope that I'll. Interesting. Uh, I I noticed that some people who are calling me a c- on there still followed me afterwards when they were like, "I'm never listening to your show again." Still followed me. It's like they want to keep an eye on me. <laughs> I just yeah. I do that to other people though. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, it's like when into- people follow Donald Trump to see what that psycho's up to. They're doing that to me now. Oh, I did do that. I got into an argument oh, months ago now um, with oh, it was. Like this is this will be out, so you guys won't. Yeah, you won't know this. But, is it about rugby? Yeah, is this based um, rugby minute? So there was uh, about it was before the World Cup, so it must have been about six months ago. Um, one of Australia's top uh, rugby players, probably one of the best in his in the world and his position, like put some really horrifically vile. Um, He's a Christian, put some really awful stuff. If you're this, if you're this, if you're this, oh, if right, you're okay. this, you're, you're going imagine. to hell, basically. I can imagine. Yeah. And he's just like, God. And the fact that you can imagine makes me feel sick. I'm like, God, that's just, no. It just made my blood boil. So I got into an argument over it with someone else. And yeah, and they, they, um, they, they blocked me um, and then unblocked me. Um, and then got back in touch with me to start the argument up again. Just like, oh, please leave me alone. <laughs> Round two. Like, like, <laughs> like Tiss said, people are... <laughs> yeah, I haven't had any it's, arguments. Don't you think... I just don't have the energy. Don't you think years ago... So when I started using Twitter, I got a bit snobby about Facebook, and I was like, Facebook is just full of wankers now, mm. and Twitter's just nice, and it's just pictures of nice things, and people being nice to each other, and it's a different way of communicating... And then now we can talk to each other more on Twitter. So now that it's not just 140 characters, we can talk more. It's got worse. And I'd say now Twitter's now... It's all bad. ...full of hatred. And Facebook is still full of hatred, but probably less hatred. It's all bad. I don't know. I'm on a a little bit of a social media break at the moment. Yeah, every time I look at social media, it, uh, it aligns with my dip in positive energy that's it's habitual something so i just i'm just sort of away from it for a few days so anyway let's get on with the episode i'll probably keep all this but i'll put it after the (laughs) outro music yeah amazing come on then tis what's uh take take the reins back so on the subject of um feeling a bit jaded about society to say the least about this person by the way um we're talking about the unabomber actually we're talking about as many serial killers as I can fit into this episode, but we're going to talk about the Unabomber <laughs> first. Awesome. <laughs> because, fuck it, why not? We've got loads, I've got loads of I'm information. Actually, I'm actually pleased about that. Um, yeah, I don't I don't find this kind of stuff too dour. Tiss, you, you're, you don't normally, you've never done this sort of episode. No, I just felt a little bit uh, like... Like you wanted to kill everyone. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, no, <laughs> that's <laughs> terrible. No, well, I just felt a little bit fucking bored of, uh, I don't know, not conspiracy theories, just, oh, I don't know, a bit burnt out on what I was researching, right. book, book diving and, think, and the like. Do you this, think the thing you was researching you'll come back to, or do you think it's just done now? I think not, I'll have to. Because you've done it, so much research <laughs> on it. To, it's it's <laughs> pigeonholing it into the right thing and finding the right, episode and to be honest finding it's fi- your it, angle it's finding the, yeah finding the angle and the enthusiasm to drill it home because 
this episode has been so much fun to research. I already knew a lot about the Unabomber, um, mm. but it's just it just takes me back to those days, which got me into this, and which essentially got us into the podcast, which is just you know trawling through YouTube, watching videos that make you just like, oh, what a weirdo, you know, just all this sort of just takes me back to the reason why we did it. So I actually don't know anything about this dude. You don't know anything about the Unabomber? No, pretty much. The only thing I knew is the brief mention we did. We talked about it very, very briefly on my Murderabilia episode because there was Unabomber Murderabilia. Right. And we briefly sort of said who he was, but didn't go into it. And I really don't know anything about him. So interesting for me. I'm learning. I started watching the Netflix series uh, probably about a year ago and didn't finish it. Not because I wasn't interested, just... You know what it's like. There's too much stuff on Netflix now. I didn't know there was a series. Yeah, I, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. It's only it's like a ten parter with um I wanna say Sam Worthington. Right. Um is it Sam Worthington? Um what's he, I'm pretty sure it's the the dude that was in one of the terrible Terminator movies. <laughs> um I'm I'm just IMD being it now. Yeah, Sam Worthington's in it. Um yeah, it yeah, uh yeah, Sam Worthington, yeah, yeah. I don't know who Sam Worthington is. <laughs> it's called. Uh, <laughs> is, is he? Oh no, that's Worthers. Sorry, I think of Worthington's. Um, it's called Manhunt on Netflix. Manhunt. I think it's oh, Manhunt. No, that's Worthers. <laughs> yeah, that's Worthers Originals. That's a completely different just, movie. Just ignore that comment. <laughs> I didn't even hear what he said. There's so I much stuff that he says. I want a biographical movie about the guy who invented Worthers Originals. <laughs> Worthington's Originals. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's called Manhunt. Manhunt. I think it's Manhunt, colon. The Manhunt DeLorean. Unabomber. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see that yeah. documentary, um, but I have seen a lot. Of- it's not a documentary. It's like a... It's a miniseries, it's right? It's like a docuseries, yeah. Right, right, right. So it's dramatised, is it? It's good. It's like... Yeah. Yeah, like a dramatised, but based obviously based on the... So I don't think it takes it too far away. Well, this Unabomber guy, uh, Ted... Kaczynski, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Ted Kaczynski. I haven't got any notes. Oh, no. That's the chap. Yeah, Ted. I haven't even. I don't even written his name down, but it is definitely Ted Kaczynski. Um, he was active from 1978 to 1995. Uh, killed free. That long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Un, un. Oh wow. Uncaptured for nearly two decades. Uh, I thought it was wow. like one event. No, no, no. So wow. Okay, I really know nothing about this guy. Yeah. I always get him confused with, um, there's a guy who rides around Portland uh, in America on a unicycle playing the bagpipes <laughs> called the, called, <laughs> called the Unipiper. Oh my God. <laughs> and when I hear Unibomber, yeah. I think of the Unipiper. The Unipiper. Oh, poor bloke. Oh my God. I that... saw him when I was there. He was wearing a Sonic the Hedgehog costume. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> there's a guy... In Fishermead and Milton Keynes, right? <laughs> Who goes outside and plays the saxophone every day, just in the park. Oh, my God. Lovely. For context, uh, people in America, F- Fishermead sort of area, is that? It's where we did the UFO sightings episode, me and Beef. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, no, it's not. That was Watermead. <laughs> yeah, Watermead. Fisher- yeah, Fishermead in, in Milton Keynes, Tiss. Yeah, no, wrong one. 
Yeah, sorry. Right. Anyway, carry on. So, yeah, Ted Krasinski. I think listeners know they're in for a laid-back mess of an episode already. <laughs> yeah, we're in a Christmas it's mood Christmas, already. It's Christmas. Be lucky you're getting one more before Christmas. Yeah, no, do, because I'm a bit of a fucking mess, to be honest. So, <laughs> <laughs> Mate, pull it together. Smoke some more weed. It's It'll be last, fine. It's the last ever Weird Tales. <laughs> it's the last ever... No, I'm joking. <laughs> But they they should be appreciative. Uh, I appreciate them as much as as they should appreciate this episode. Um, okay, cut that. Um, so twenty three injured. Uh, so this dude, it's kind of topical, kind of not topical, but kind of topical. This guy uh, had a thing about society, and and basically his story um, is that he was a very smart kid. He was moved up two years, socially awkward, struggled to fit in. Uh, IQ apparently is uh, higher than Albert Einstein. Uh, so very yeah. hyper-intelligent guy. Um, went on to Harvard, uh, became a lecturer at Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had a terrible teacher's record. Uh, just um, the, the, the students didn't find it... Uh, I don't know, didn't find the lessons very good, didn't find him very personable, uh, didn't spend a lot of time tutoring the students. I think people got an air that he f- thought that he was uh, quite a bit above most of the students. So it's kind of a social outcast, which is painting the picture of a serial killer. I, I find it interesting you you took interest in a guy who had an issue with society at a time when you're moaning about society. Exactly. Oh, it yeah, is no, really on the nose. It's, it's really on the nose. Uh, yeah, Tiss, I'm not going to go out and please start don't go people. and blow anyone no. up. Yeah, it's like he's preparing for something. No, right? no. For, for, this will be on the news next week, Bobby. For legal clarity, I am not preparing for anything. <laughs> but if I was going to prepare, I would prepare just like the Unibobber did because he did it the, right, the right, wrong way. Uh, okay, and you'll understand what I mean as I get on through the episode so there's a little video clip this uh sort of people accounts of uh him and what i basically just said about berkeley a few accounts of uh what he was like and stuff so after nine years and 12 attacks the fbi finally had a physical description of the mystery man known as the unabomber but the psychological profiles were mixed One said he was a young college student, possibly still a teenager. Another had him as a white-collar professional, living with his mother. The reality was very, very different. The Unabomber was, in fact, a brilliant middle-aged mathematician who had abandoned a promising academic career to live like a hermit in this cabin in the Montana wilderness. His name was Ted Kaczynski. He was extremely smart, but socially awkward. In retrospect, we would have to consider a diagnosis such as Asperger's syndrome, where he had a hard time reading clues of other people's emotions. Theodore Ted Kaczynski was born on May 22, 1942, to a working-class family in Chicago, Illinois. The older of two brothers, he excelled academically. In the fifth grade, tests indicated that his IQ was 167, genius level. As he was so smart, he skipped two grades, which then made him even more socially awkward 
because now he was with students two years older than him. In high school, the shy young genius set his sights on the best, Harvard University. He was only 16 when he went to Harvard. 16. 16 when he went to Harvard. 16 when he went to Harvard. That's young, isn't it? So it's, it's probably like three years early. Wow. I'm not being funny, but I'm 30 and I still haven't been. So that just gives you a little <laughs> bit of a... <laughs> he came from a very modest background. And in Harvard, it's a very snobby kind of environment. And he was also socially maladjusted. So it was a disaster for him. At Harvard, Kaczynski was one of 22 student volunteers picked to take part in a personality study of gifted undergraduates. What the participants didn't know was that the study was allegedly part of a secret program funded by the CIA and military intelligence. What they did was essentially interview these kids and put them up against uh, someone who ridiculed them mercilessly. Now, this is something that if you do that to someone who's who's not socially confident anyway, it's going to be very, at the least, difficult to deal with. So, yeah, put put through his paces by the government in a sort of secret study. Mm. With, with people of that intelligence, do you think they would have uh, maybe cottoned on to what had happened, maybe retrospectively, even if not at the time? What, him, Ted? Yeah, being sort of part of that. So do I think Ted cottoned on to what they were playing at? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, motive-wise, I'm looking at that and thinking, like, fuck, that is... It's strange, though, because he was very intelligent, but he wasn't necessarily good at reading people, it seems. So Mm. maybe, maybe not. Mm. Yeah, that's true, actually. I don't understand that. Um, Just from... I'm trying to... As you you were playing the video I was thinking back to the Netflix series and um you can't really disagree with his ideology like his thinking is or his methods methods yeah it's um yeah his idea of society is not exactly wrong uh but one thing I do find interesting is surely he can read people because he was able to evade capture for so long so if mm. he really didn't understand how people behave. Asperger's, you know, you're forever trying to understand why people behave the way they do. I'm thinking of, um, like, I don't know, someone like like Sheldon off the Big Bang Theory. Like, It's that kind of not really understanding why people do the things they do or behave the way they do. So surely he did have a pretty good idea of if he was a... Otherwise, he'd just get captured quickly, wouldn't he? Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. Just like Sheldon. Sheldon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just like that. Um, I'll play the video a little bit more, see if it explains more about the CIA side. But I just think that's quite interesting that uh, they put him through that. It's just like if I was part of a study like that, I'd feel quite disenfranchised afterwards. Mm. Especially when the country you live in, in America, is... I don't know. Yeah. The ideology is very much sort of patriotism. They're treating you as a commodity. They're just like, okay, what? how can we use this person? Well, yeah, that's it. Yes. But it, it, it's not so much that. I yeah, find exactly. That in America, they are so patriotic that that is sort of like uh, their shield in a sense. It's like, don't worry, the state will always look after me because this is the country, the freedoms and all this. And it's like, 
to have that ripped away so mercilessly. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, once once you can no longer give to the society, you're worthless. Yeah. If you can't give to society, if you can't be... If you're just a consumer, you're no good. Yeah. You've got to contribute as well, but in the way they want you to. That's it. Right, that's uh... Some experts later surmised that the Harvard experiments might have played a role in Kaczynski's emotional problems. I think they took advantage of, of a young, very vulnerable person as a subject, and they really treated him badly. I mean, they really, you know, played games with their mind. Kaczynski graduated from Harvard in 1962. He enrolled at the University of Michigan at Ann Arbor, where he earned his PhD in mathematics at age 24. In 1967, he became an assistant professor at the University of California, Berkeley, teaching undergrad courses in calculus and geometry. He was the youngest professor ever hired by the university, but Kaczynski was not popular with his students. He didn't get very good ratings as a teacher at Berkeley. He was very uninvolved with the students, rather contemptuous of them and their minuscule intellects compared to his own. During this time, Kaczynski was growing increasingly disillusioned with contemporary society. This was someone who was deeply disturbed. And if you can't deal with society as it is, or people as they are, how are you going to deal with a society that's changing? It was when he was at Ann Arbor that he started fantasizing about killing people who were tools of the industrial society. But by the time he went to Berkeley, he was already determining that he was going to work for a couple of years, save up money, and then go move out to the woods and just drop out of society altogether. So there you go. I've so. actually fantasized about that a few times. What, killing people? Not, not killing people. No, but like just disappearing. Dropping out. Like, I think about that a lot. Obviously, my <laughs> my mental well-being is up and down. But like that's something I've genuinely thought, oh, like one day if like, like sometimes I'm really fucked off and I'm just like, I just want to disappear and like yeah. never tell anyone again. I don't, I don't think I could. Not kill myself, just like disappear. Yeah. Jump on a plane. I like the idea. Um, but in practice, I realize there's a lot of that plan that I wouldn't have thought through. Like just. Oh yeah, like none of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jumping on a plane. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it's it's kind of interesting. So he basically moved out to a cabin in the woods, and he did do that. He lived off hunting and grew his own food, and that's only gonna like isolate. It's not gonna help your negative thoughts, is it? When you got no, no. soundboard, no like sounding board to like. No. But then he felt like he couldn't relate to anyone anyway, so he doesn't want to share his ideas about anyone else. It was essentially the nail in the coffin, I guess. It was the the chance he had at yeah. clawing it back when when he moved away. There's so much that's fascinating about isolation and about what happens to people in isolation that it, it or it's just people that have a lack of human contact. Um and yeah, yeah, it can be it can be really quite devastating. Um yeah, so if he was living on his own and kind of keeping himself to himself, um, yeah, it's it's only it would have only sort of enforced his ideologies further, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's pretty hard to go back when you've kind of bought into that life. Yeah. And you've got no one contradicting your viewpoint. Uh, and once you've bought into that life, 
like how hard is it to get back into the system once you've left the system it's like the most extreme version of like um filter bubbles that that social media create now and and um we sort of exist in an echo chamber you only see the things that you agree with because you cultivate your feed to only have similar viewpoints so when you see an opposing view you lash out at it more which is why there's so much negativity on social media because Mm, it's like some outside force has found its way onto your timeline and you'd lash against it it's like a, a disease has entered your body yeah, and it's like mm. that, but there's literally no one else in your bubble apart from you. So you're just only going to get more and more extreme in that sense. Yeah, totally. Um, what are you eating? I was thinking that <laughs> just food. I can't work it out. Let's look at banana. I will mention the brand because I'm a big <laughs> fan of the sausage rolls they make, and I've tr- I've tested every vegan sausage roll. Let me tell you, people. If you go vegan to avoid sausage rolls, they're going to follow you into that veganism. They're going to follow you there. And the best ones are Fry's, Fry's Family uh, sausage rolls from Sainsbury's. Okay. I might actually give them a go. They're, they're fucking fantastic. They're, they're... I, I literally haven't had a sausage roll for like four years, even a veggie one. So I'm like, that's, I can actually go for that. That sounds pretty good. The Greg's ones are okay, but uh, for me, the Fry's family, I uh, I haven't got the packaging. I don't know if Greg's and Leeds does a veggie sausage roll. Yeah, vegan, they all do. (laughs) What, even the one in Leeds? Because when I looked, it didn't. Every Greg's nationwide. I don't even like normal sausage rolls. You do, you do realize. (laughs) Sorry, not normal. Greg's released their vegan sausage roll in January. Their profits have gone up four hundred percent this year. Yeah, powerful vegans from one item on the menu. And that was all me. But anyway, those the sausage rolls are great and they taste amazing. You please try one because I I would love to see your opinion on them. I'll um, try and get uh, some sponsorship. What fu- are they called, <laughs> mate? I'd fucking love sp- I, fries. Family. We've. I would eat fries. Family. Too many. I already eat too many. Are they frozen? <laughs> no, no. They they're um in the fr- fridge section of Sainsbury's. Yeah. Uh, eat most, most Sainsbury's. Uh, go to the fridge aisle and the vegan section. There's there's a load of shit there that's interesting, to say the least. Uh, Sounds great. <laughs> I, I think I saw at one point someone invented uh, vegan black pudding, which is something. Oh, we've I've not, seen that. No one's like, been what demanding. What the fuck is it then? Yeah, it's just like God. just ground up porridge oats <laughs> dipped in dye. It's just porridge. <laughs> porridge, <laughs> porridge in a wrap. Oh, uh, please stop talking about the Unabomber. Sorry, right. Anyway, we can cut this. It's all right. We can cut it. No one's ever said, please start talking about the Unabomber. <laughs> start. Please start. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so where where were we at with the Unabomber? We're going to talk about the killings. Oh, God knows. Not the killings, the bombings. Sorry. Uh, but one really... Yeah, he was living on his own. Uh, any ideas before we get into the killings, bombings, both injuries whatever uh beef you probably know so stay quiet but do you bob do you think how do you think he stayed completely undetected for so long with bombs well america's a really big place (laughs) so if he's living out in the wilderness i i i haven't been to america recently i was like i knew it was a big place but i was flabbergasted at how much expanse there was like empty expanse and i was like jesus you really could like disappear and go off the grid in a country like this yeah so i think and some of his intelligence and knowing where i don't know i just 
Is he is he sitting in his hut just like making these plans? Pretty much. But uh, there's one interesting side to it, which is um, separates him from the rest. Right, is uh, that his bombs were homemade? I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember. You you say I've got like a an advantage because I I really can't remember the scene. There's one very specific part of which I probably I'm not going to say because you might come onto it later. But there's one part of the series that I found really interesting, mm. um, but I don't remember much else. So yeah, his bombs were homemade. Uh, mm. But not just homemade, yeah. like he would make the parts for the bombs. He wouldn't buy the parts oh, to make wow. bombs. He would make the parts to make the bombs, to, you know? Oh, yeah, so they can't trace them to a shop. They couldn't trace anything to anything. You know, all the batteries he bought, he uh, tore off the covers, so no serial numbers to trace back to shops. Smart. Um, all the switches were handmade from, like, hickory. Um, obviously, where he lives, he probably carves it from wood. Um and yeah, it's just that's just next level, isn't it? It's just like how how can you begin to trace someone who's just made everything from scratch? It's essentially mm. making a weapon from ice and then letting it melt away. Clever, really clever. That sounds like a like a James Bond villain would do that, <laughs> or or like Alan Partridge it's, read. Uh, it's like that riddle: kill them with the broccoli and then eat the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about these because I don't know whether this protrusion is a good or bad thing. Actually, this would make a very good murder weapon because you could beat someone to death, then eat the evidence. (laughs) Christie's uh, probably already thought of that one. The onion mystery, onion murders. Good idea for a programme. Not that uh, the BBC would commission it. That wouldn't know a good onion idea if I hit them over the head with it and then ate the evidence. No, that is clever because it. Yeah, I think I guess with with a bomb like that, like how the hell are you going to distinguish? You know, you get to the bomb site. You're like, what can you see? Well, just there's loads of metal and plastic and what looks like bits of. Because actually, if he's bombing, like, and I guess you're coming to this, but depending on where he's bombing, it's just going to look like just a big mess, isn't it? There's not going to be anything distinguishable. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd forgotten that. I'd forgotten he made them and didn't just buy the parts. He made everything. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Fair play. He basically deserves to have been so good at what he was doing. Yeah, I guess so. If if anything positive had come from it, he'd be lauded as a hero. But uh, yeah, killing people to do some pretty put you on wanky the, stuff. Uh, yeah, the nice list, should we say? Uh, so anyway, we'll go to the first. Uh, the first bombing, which is Salt Lake City. February 20th, 1987. An unseasonably warm and sunny day in Salt Lake City. Police and emergency personnel respond to a report of an explosion outside Cam's computer services. Owner Gary Wright had arrived at his office at 10.25 a.m. When I pulled into the parking lot, I noticed that there was a piece of wood over to the right-hand side near my secretary's car. Two two-by-fours that appeared to be nailed together. I thought, well, it's just a piece of scrap lumber from a construction project. It's got nails sticking out of it. I should probably throw it away. Somebody will step on it. It'll get run over. But as I bent down to pick it up, there was a slight click, and instantly I could feel this huge pressure in my chest, like almost a crushing pressure. And... I've heard what sounded like a fighter jet going over. 
At that point, I didn't know that it had been a bomb. What I honestly thought is that someone had shot me with a shotgun. I began to think, well, I may not make it. The explosion has severed nerves in Wright's left arm and impaled more than 200 pieces of shrapnel in his body. Investigators quickly determine that Gary Wright has just become the latest victim of the Unabomber, a shadowy figure who's been engaged in a campaign of terror across the country for nine years. The case we call Unabom actually began in May of 1978 and continued until the last bomb was delivered in the U.S. mail in April of 1995. And during that time, the Unabomber placed or mailed 16 devices. The first device explodes at Northwestern University, just north of Chicago. So I got that wrong. Salt Lake City was, an, was the first in the documentary. Right, okay. First was uh, Chicago. Okay, right. Disguised as an ordinary package, the bomb inflicts minor injuries on a university police officer. A year later, Northwestern is hit a second time. When another package detonates on campus, Graduate student John G. Harris sustains cuts on his arms and burns around his eyes. Then, on November 15, 1979, a bomb is placed in the cargo hold of American Airlines Flight 444, heading from Chicago to Washington, D.C. In mid-flight, it sets off a smoldering fire. Twelve passengers suffer smoke inhalation. The pilots were able to land the plane at Dulles shortly before they said to us later that it would have probably burned through the hydraulics and dropped the plane out of the sky. Authorities now begin to suspect the bombings are linked. All doubt is removed seven months later. A suspicious package arrives at the home of Percy Wood, the president of United Airlines. The subsequent explosion inflicts cuts and burns over large portions of Wood's body. Now, come 1980, we know we have a serial bomber. And so the FBI started working as a joint task force with ATF, and because we had bombs in the mail with the Postal Inspection Service. The task force dubs the investigation Unabomb. Unabomb, universities and airline bombings, because those first four bombs were either affiliated with university locations or with airlines. From the beginning, the investigation is hampered by a lack of evidence. The Unabomber's devices are relatively crude, making it difficult to trace them back to their maker. There wasn't a lot of evidence left. And the evidence that we could identify, matches, uh, pieces of wood, nails, were the kind of things that you could buy at any hardware store. We started calling him early the junkyard bomber because, in fact, he would make these bombs from scratch. He didn't go buy components and buy pieces of metal and that type of thing. He went out to piles of old abandoned cars to carve off chrome to use in his bomb construction. He used scraps of wood. Well, everything you find at a bomb scene, every single piece of evidence is critical because, for one, you have to decide how the device functioned. And in, in finding out how the device functioned, you look if there's a circuitry involved, where in most of his devices, he created the circuitry. And it was not through a, a timer like many bombers use. He actually took the time to create the mechanism, to create the circuits. And that made it really difficult for investigators. He built his own switches for the bombs from hickory. 
And when he bought batteries, he would peel off the cover of those batteries so we wouldn't be able to go back and trace where those batteries might have been purchased. There was no evidence that would lend itself to take us to a, a particular manufacturer, vendor, sales documents, a person's name on a, a purchase order. There wasn't anything like that connected with the devices. Um, so I don't want to ask, mm. how is he picking his location? Is he on the move or does he have like one home? I don't, because these places aren't like near each other. So uh, you've got Illinois for the first four. Uh, oh, so the first four were all in Illinois. Yeah, right. uh, Northwestern right, okay. University, the first two. Uh, Illinois, American Airlines, Flight 444, Chicago to Washington, uh, and mm-hmm. Illinois, Lake, Lake Forest. And so was all this when he was still working somewhere? No, this is after he'd um, started living. So how does he have money? Yeah. Or is he just living so humbly because he's just living... Yeah, living super humbly. Yeah, just living frugal and I suppose as long as you know how to make so he was a bomb... In a remote cabin get without... better at doing it each time. Without electricity or running water. So no overheads. So if he, if he did do work, um, says while well, learning survival skills and attempt to become self-sufficient... Just super intelligent. How is he picking his targets... Yeah. It's an interesting question. Because he's not he's too intelligent to just pick at random, or then maybe that is the most intelligent way, because then if randomness is harder to trace. But then it's but it says it's universities and airlines, but is there a reason for that? Wasn't it university and airlines because they were government controlled? Right, okay. Mm. So he's going for universities. But maybe that's the education system, and may, if he worked in the education system, then I understand the the education, him. the university one, because he had negative experiences with that system. But I guess airlines is it? Maybe uh, you know they're just line pockets of millionaires, and uh, yeah, I don't know if that's not against if that's against his ideology, right? Well, the initial bombing, uh, the first mail bomb was directed at Buckley Christ, a uh, professor of material engineering at Northwestern. Um, a package bearing Christ's return address was found in a parking lot at University of Illinois. The package was returned to Christ, who was suspicious because he had not sent the package. So he contacted the campus police officer, Terry Marker, who opened the package, which exploded and injured his left hand. So his intended mm. target was Christ. Um, but it ended up being someone else. So, at the moment, anyway, there's been no deaths. Uh, no deaths, no. Oh, here's this here. At Ka- the moment. Kaczynski had returned to Illinois for the May 1978 bombing and stayed there for a time to work with his father and brother at a foam rubber factory. However, in August of the same year, uh, he was fired by his brother for writing insulting limericks about a female supervisor who he had briefly <laughs> courted. Oh my god, that's a, a weird little addition. Uh, this female supervisor uh, later recalled Kaczynski... For writing insulting limericks. Yeah. Uh, she recalled Kaczynski as intelligent, quiet, but remembered little of her acquaintance and firmly denied they had any romantic relationship. So yeah, I guess, like it says there, he was sort of picking up jobs in between, getting by, uh, but had that hut from you know he bought that outright so that was his Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so yeah, the first four was Illinois. I suppose if you if you're learning to live off the land and you're a good hunter, so he's a good shot. Yeah. Um, what is there to and you've bought your hut or you've you know what is what living costs do you have? Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's good. Clever guy. So, yeah, the first four were Illinois. Um, none of them killed. Um, severe cuts and burns over most of the body and face was the Lake Forest, Illinois one. Percy Do you think Wood. he intended to kill? I was just about to ask that. Do you think he intended to not kill? I, I, I think he intended to kill based on the fact that I think this was his intention. He He wanted to start killing people um mm-hmm. from uh, from stuff they found in this uh his uh cabin it's sort of linked yeah uh his depression and then sort of resurgence to do something to his uh sort of newfound hobby for killing or death or you know whatever i think it uh, uh, it will come up at some point but i think i heard that um the turning point was when he realized that he wanted to kill his psychiatrist or something something like that Right. It was like the mm. urge to kill him, sort of like he'd been born from, uh, Phoenix from the Flames right. sort of thing. It's like as soon as he had that thought, it unlocked those thoughts in general. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let's find some more. Oh, here we go. So, Berkeley, uh, this is actually the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh bombing. Uh, this one's an engineering professor. Where's Berkeley? Berkeley, that it's was near the... San Francisco. University that he was oh. uh, teaching at. Wow. Okay. So he's um, okay. So he's gone from Chicago in the north right down to San Francisco. He was yeah. uh, his hometown is Illinois, so that's where his father and brother, uh, I think, live. It is, it yeah. is Berkeley, California, right? Berkeley, California. Yeah. There. So it's near. Yeah, it's near San Francisco. But it's interesting. Wow, okay. Like Illinois is his hometown, and then like what sixth kill? It's like uh, sixth kill bomb. It's like California, Berkeley. It's like, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying they could have linked him from that, but it's like, he has links to those two places. So for me, mm. looking at that and being like, he was undetected for that long, it's like, mm. but he's one man. One man, yeah, totally. And so and- yeah, to, it feels like an obvious connection to you now, but at the time, it's like, he's one man who's making those connections to a bomb. I'm thinking more like, yeah, like they live in you know, Milton Keynes or Bristol or something, it's like, no, America's a lot bigger. <laughs> it's a yeah. lot, a lot bigger. I always think of America as like, just thinking of the whole of Europe. Like, yeah. each state is yeah. a country. It's like, oh, we did some bombs in Switzerland, and then there was another bomb in, like, Slovenia. Uh, so why why weren't people linking those together? And it's like, they're two different places. Like, it's... Mm. Yeah. Uh, one of the... Uh, one of his victims was the president of United Airlines, Percy Wood, at the time. Mm-hmm. 1980. Right. Uh, that right. was the fourth bombing. That was Illinois, Lake Forest. Uh, then Utah. The next one was uh, University of Utah, bomb defused. Uh, next one after that was Tennessee, Vanderbilt University, Janet Smith, University Secretary. So he's got a thing for universities uh, thus far. Uh, and the next one doesn't stop there. Another university. Then, on May 15th, 1985, engineering student and aspiring astronaut John E. Hauser is nearly killed when he picks up a parcel left in a computer room on the UC Berkeley campus. That! And uh, exploded 
blew my arm off to the side like this, and uh, the first thing I thought was, why did they do that? Six months later, a package mailed to the home of a University of Michigan psychology professor explodes when research assistant Nicholas Suino opens it. Suino sustains burns and shrapnel wounds. The professor suffers some hearing loss. One month later, on December 11, 1985, the Unabomber claims his first fatality with his 11th bomb. Wow, 11 bombs. Yeah, 11 bombs. 11 uh, bombs before he actually kills someone. That's so many bombs. Can, I can't imagine building one bomb. He's built 11 bombs before he's actually killed someone. And got away Ten with it. 10 failures as well. He would have con- surely he consider those, those 10 other bombs to be failed bombs. Mm. Yeah. That's crazy. I guess failed. But then escaping detection for what, 85 from 78? Fucking hell, nearly 10 years. Nearly 10 years. So he's not doing them in that quick succession. How no. quick are these bombs going in so succession? So first one's May 25, 78. Next one's yeah. a year later, 79, May 9th. Uh, the same year, November 15th. Then you've got the next year, June. So they're really spread out. He's like he's getting an itch like every now and then to do another one. It's yeah. not like he's constantly like laying these bombs out. He's not Fat Man from MGS2. He's not just fucking blowing shit up. <laughs> he's doing it in a way which... And... and um, Wait, no, that's a totally different killer. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking he did it in different states to confuse the police, but that's that's, that's someone else we might come on to later. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's see what they're saying about this one. I think this one they're referring to right now is University of Michigan, uh, James V. McConnell, psychology professor. Oh, wait, no, no. Sorry, we're talking about the deaf, aren't we? The deaf yeah. uh, is Hugh Scrutton. Uh, computer store owner. Computer rental store owner Hugh Scrutton is killed when he picks up what appears to be a piece of scrap wood. Metal shrapnel penetrates his heart and tears off his right hand. This bomb contains a clue that had become known as the Unabomber's signature, a metal plate stamped with the letters FC. FC became one of the standard ways of us being able to tie in one bombing with another. Yeah, so FC was like his sort of thing that he trademarked onto his bombs. So he was vain enough to leave a little calling card. Yeah, I guess after 10 years, you get a little bit cocky with it. I was going to say after a death, but that one caused the death. So Interesting. It's like these people want to be caught. They always leave some sort of clue. Yeah. I think they just get bored with the game that they're winning too easily, and they think, you know, I can make this game more interesting. And you're playing for higher stakes because... You know, if you do stuff like that and still don't get caught, it's like fuck, man. It's a rush. But I guess you'd if you if you believe in your ideology so much, you don't want to just you want people to notice. So if people aren't noticing, um, that's that's going to get frustrating. It's not it's not it's not scratching his itch. You know, he wants people to notice and hear what he's got to say because he believes that what he's got to say is important mm. and carries validity. And if he's not getting that then it's almost like a junkie looking for a hit and he's not getting his hit. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm. He's a bit weird, isn't he? Quite weird. I can't imagine, yeah, taking myself away from all of that. It must be hard. Not that I'm saying that uh, 
can never excuse the behavior, but it's hard to be that intelligent. Ignorance is bliss, truly. Yeah. It's like you would feel alienated and isolated anyway, I guess. And then he's only only exacerbating that by literally removing himself from society. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So in between Hugh Scrutton, we had Utah again, Salt Lake City, uh, Gary Wright, computer store owner again, severe nerve damage, um, California, Tiburon, uh, Charles Epstein, a geneticist, severe damage to both eardrums with partial hearing loss and loss of free fingers, Connecticut, Yale University, David Gelertner, uh, computer science professor so computer sciences and computer store owners seem to be a a trend it's weird though is is he picking these targets at random it feels so random i don't know i don't know if it's random when later on we'll get onto the manifesto that he wrote because it it doesn't feel like they're targeted individuals it doesn't feel like he knows these people it's like their professions that it seems to be uh right. he's he's a massive technophobe he doesn't like tech technology and it's uh he's got a, a manifesto about the industrial revolution and how it's kind of ruined us as a society and technology in general right. has ruined us so i think he's gone after a lot of people that maybe help advancing yeah that. advancing that yeah that he hates I mean, it's ironic, really, because if he perhaps put together a proper bomb, it might kill people more often. (laughs) (laughs) If he used technology to his advantage. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Kaczynski kept meticulous notes and apparently followed his own exploits through newspaper accounts, producing a chilling record of a man obsessed by killing. In reference to the primitive bomb left on campus at Northwestern University, he wrote, I hoped that a student would pick it up and would blow his hands off or get killed. After his second bomb caused minor injuries, he complained, I had hoped that the victim would be blinded or have his hands blown off or be otherwise maimed. I wish I knew how to get hold of some dynamite. As you go through some of the writings that he had written over the years, He makes it very clear that my ambition is to kill a scientist, a businessman. I'd even like to kill a government official or a communist. He complained again after the 1982 bomb that injured the secretary at Vanderbilt. No indication that she was permanently disabled. Frustrating that I can't seem to make a lethal bomb. Finally, after the attack that killed computer rental store owner Hugh Scrutton, Kaczynski wrote in triumph, excellent humane way to eliminate somebody he probably never felt a thing that's interesting a humane way to eliminate someone yeah well i guess it would be so instant you wouldn't even know about it it was so shooting someone in the head yeah yeah i guess so but then there's loads of ways you can kill someone quickly before they know that's true yeah doesn't seem so smart to me not so smart just strange uh because a lot of people who kill, I assume, sort of, uh, I don't know, they enjoy, they don't care about what other people feel. It's like he thinks he's so intelligent that he's above human emotion. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like above 
Like, mm. he, I'm so intelligent, I can see how worthless people are. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, that's, yeah, that's I think quite interesting. It's, it's interesting that there seems to be no pattern to what he's doing, which I guess is part of it. If if you create a pattern, it's easier for for people to find you. Yeah, but it does just seem to be really incredibly random. Well, I wouldn't say random, but maybe that is part of part of his thinking. Like, can't I don't know about police techniques. Part of his but, master plan. Yeah. It seems like there's a pattern in the people that he's targeting, but just not in the locations. It's just that it's so spread out. It's like if I said, okay, I'm only going to kill people who work at coffee shops. And I was like the coffee shop killer. And if people kept getting injured by bombs across the UK who worked in coffee shops, you'd be like, there's a pattern there. Yeah. But across the whole of Europe, because America is so big you might not link those events as quickly or you might think oh, that's a bit random. It's no, just Joe not. Bloggs over in Germany and then, you know, Sandra Smith down in Croatia. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking on the map now and I can see California is literally the opposite side of the country to Illinois and That's Chicago. what I mean. It's so far away. It's not even the next state. No. I was looking at... I was looking... Uh, like we'll six, to Chicago five, in, five or six in states in between. April... Yeah, it's massive. And and I think it's like he could have flown, I guess. But um yeah, so I'm going to Chicago in April and I'm looking to go uh visit our friends in Minneapolis, which is it's either the next state on or next but one or something. It still has a six hour drive. Um yeah, it's massive. Massive Apolis, America. Well I've got the I've got the uh, the clip for the next uh bomb, which is uh California Tiburon, this one's Charles Epstein, uh, two bombs after the first death. Okay. Uh, so let's listen to this one. Package bomb blew as Dr. Charles Epstein opened his mail at his home late Tuesday. Charles Epstein was a renowned geneticist from the University of California, San Francisco. Epstein is recovering from four hours of surgery to his hands, arm, and face. News of the bombing hit hard for previous victim, Gary Wright. I came home from work, the news was on, and he was back. It unglued me. It was just devastating. Two days later, and 3,000 miles away, another bomb arrived at the office of David Galerter, a computer science professor at Yale University. I just heard a very loud explosion. And then we heard a man screaming. Galerter survived, but was seriously injured. Why would anyone want to blow up a professor who specializes in the languages used to program computers? The Unabomber was back in action, and investigators were no closer to finding him than they'd been when he started 15 years earlier. So that uh, that gap from Salt Lake City to Tiburon, mm-hmm. uh, from the death as well. The death, the first death was 1985. The next bomb was 1987, and then this one, 1993. Six years. It's interesting how there was um, like a few years between the one where he killed someone yeah, and the next bomb, because mm. it was like, you would think, oh, he got a taste for blood, he's only going to ramp it up more, but it was almost like he was actually sated for a little while. Yeah. He had four bombs to, uh, on that that same year. He the first kill came, uh, and the the mm. kill was the fourth of the year. 
Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, it was two years. Then he had a couple of years off. Or a year and a, a, year, a year and two months until his next kill. Right. It's. I mean, yeah, it's not It's not like it doesn't strike me as almost like a bloodlust because... Sorry, not kill. I keep not... saying kill. Sorry. Bombing. I know what you mean. I, I keep referring to it as a kill, but it's... Yeah. Sorry, Beef. Go. There's only been one kill. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. That's, no, what I'm saying is that if if he did want to do that, if he did, then he surely would have chosen a different method. He would have just gone on a rampage. So, yeah. yeah, it's like his agenda is beyond just killing. Like, killing is a part of it, and that's maybe is something he wants, but he wants something a lot greater than that in his mind. Well, it's like them notes. It was like, I want to blow someone's hands off and stuff. It wasn't necessarily I want to kill them. No. But then he was getting frustrated that he hadn't killed someone yet at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. Mm. So, yeah, Night Night Free, and then it was a week later the the next one happened. Just a week? Yeah. It was... Uh, so that's really close. 93 and then... Yeah. Sorry, two days. Two days later. I guess... That's out of character. I guess he mailed them both. And... Right. Like, one was Yale in Connecticut and the other was California. Right. So they maybe arrived at different times. Um, yeah. Let's see. The Unabomber, he was obsessed with ensuring that he threw us off the trail forensically. And so he would do a number of things. The return addresses on the Unimob devices were real names of real people at real addresses of, say, their home or place of business. Others were a location that actually existed, but actually a phony address. There was no such business at that particular address. And still others were meant to mock the FBI. For example, on one of the letters the Unabomber sent, the address was 9th and Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest in Washington, D.C., which, of course, is the address of the J. Edgar Hoover FBI building. In one of his letters, he said, the FBI is a joke. The FBI will not be catching us anytime soon. The FBI, of course, had no idea about the Unabomber's identity or whereabouts, and Ted Kaczynski took great pains to make sure he didn't leave a single clue. He would take files and he would file everything down after he built something so that he could ensure that he was getting rid of fingerprints. He was obsessed about leaving fingerprint evidence. Kaczynski also planted false clues to throw investigators off the trail. He went to a bathroom at the bus station in Missoula, Montana, and he actually took hairs off the floor of the restroom. And then in subsequent bombs, he would take those hairs and put them in between layers of tape. And the whole idea was when those subsequent bombs exploded at a crime scene, that we would think that hair might have something to do with the Unabomber. When he was out on a run to collect information or to collect components for his bombs, he would make sure he had a disguise. He put cotton up his nose so his nostrils would look bigger. He had a fake mustache that he had worn. For another 18 months, everything was quiet. Then, on December 10th, 1994, the Unabomber claimed his second fatality. The latest victim was advertising executive Thomas Mosser. In all, 16 bombs in 17 years at locations all over the United States. Thomas Moser was killed by a mail bomb sent to his home in North Caldwell, New Jersey. As it turned out, 
Moser had been targeted because Kaczynski mistakenly believed that he had helped Exxon clean up its public image after the Exxon Valdez oil spill. Just over three months later, the Unabomber's reign of terror was suddenly overshadowed by a much more destructive blast. On the morning of April 19th, we all get the call there's been a terrible bombing in Oklahoma City. So we're really focused on this at this point because everybody's going to be asking, is this the Unabomber? And we gave our best assessment then that we didn't think it was because these are different personalities. These are different types of bombings. One is specific targeted, the other is a mass murder. Any thought that the Unabomber was responsible for Oklahoma City was quickly erased when Timothy McVeigh was arrested two days after the blast. Do you think um, at that time he was frustrated that there was like a big new bomber on the scene? Maybe, yeah. Or do you think he took it as a welcome distraction? Probably parts of both. I would I'm actually the thinking he was probably, he's so like has like a superiority complex that he was probably thinking sloppy. Yeah. Like, what a sloppy job they've made of this. I mean, the guy got caught two days later, right? Timothy McVeigh? Yeah, yeah. This guy didn't get caught for, like, two years... Sorry, two decades. Yeah. I just wonder whether he didn't... It's like he didn't even... It wouldn't surprise me if he didn't really even think about it. Like, he... the, the Timothy McVeigh had a different agenda, was doing it for mm. different reasons. mm uh, you know, and and actually, yeah, you're probably right. He probably would look down on him because he, um, you know, yeah, his bomb was more effective, but it clearly had different methods for making it, which the Unabomber didn't use. Yeah, where's the craft? Yeah, come on, where's the love of you know what we're doing here? Yeah, that's it. That's crazy coincidence, right? Do you think the Unabomber maybe uh, maybe this other guy was a fan of the Unabomber? Um, I don't know. Like, how common are bombings? Well, the IRA did a lot of bombings in the UK. Mm. Um, but they told everyone about it, right? Mm. They said we've yeah. put a bomb here. Get fuck away, which is kind of polite. I felt. Yeah, they were pretty pretty courteous. In terms of uh, bombing as bombers people. go, as bombers go, yeah. yeah. Wasn't there a bombing in the United States? The was it Boston? Was that a bombing? Not like a that was at the marathon, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was a few years ago. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was a bomb. I think. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. The I don't I... know. I don't think. I I wonder whether they're just completely not related at all. I don't think Timothy McVeigh would have been a, like at all a super fan. Yeah, yeah, maybe, but I don't. He I, might yeah, have think, think so. he might have thought I'm I I'm gonna really impress him. Look how many people my <laughs> bomb can kill. I'm gonna evade capture, and then two days later, fuck. Yeah, fucking bomber. It's when he bites off too much <laughs> in one go, right? Um, so on to the last bomb. Before we press the last bomb, yeah. Um, can I ask you if you ever heard the expression "fucking bomber"? Fucking bomber. No. Yeah, uh, I think I made it up. I always thought I'd made it up, but then I was like, maybe I did hear it somewhere. I've it's something I say like to my sister. If something's really good, I'm like, that's fucking bomber. Yeah, I thought it'd be like a sort of fucking Whoa. bomber, man. <laughs> I think it's 
I don't know why I started doing it. Like, if we go to, I've gone to like horse shows somewhere, and if it's like a good run, I'm like, fucking bomber. <laughs> a horse show? <laughs> yeah, because she competes. Right. She competes. Right. So I've gone along to like ch- championships with her, and if she does a good run, I'm like, fucking bomber at the sidelines. Maybe it's an equestrian. Uh... <laughs> yeah. They love Equ- me there, yeah. Equestrians <laughs> right only. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fucking bomber, fucking bomber anyway, yeah. man. Fucking bomber. On April 24th, just five days after Oklahoma City, a mail bomb killed Gilbert Murray, president of the California Forestry Association, a timber industry lobbying group. In an earlier incarnation, the group had been targeted by radical environmentalists. The bomb that was sent to the Forestry Association was actually sent to his predecessor, a man named William Dennison. But he had retired and Mr. Murray had replaced him. The Unabomber was very proud of himself. It didn't matter that his bomb had killed the wrong man. They were engaged in the same kind of work, which was anti-environment in his opinion. And so it was okay. I'd been to a number of bomb scenes over my career, and the last one in Sacramento was probably one of the more horrific. The shrapnel is usually what maims or kills the victim. Most of the cases, um, nails, um, staples, and screws were used. That's an anti-personnel device that's used to maim or kill. When you go to those crime scenes or when you see the devastation that was left behind and then you read about what he says and how he felt about those bombs, it's really chilling. It's chilling that someone can think like that, behave like that, and do that kind of thing. By now, the Unabomber had been at large for almost 17 years. We talk about lone actors a lot and how difficult they are to catch. The Unabomber was the lone wolf in the most classic sense. Socially, he defined himself as a social cripple. But technologically, ironically, because he was so anti-technology, he absolutely had utmost confidence in his ability to keep from blowing himself up. Nobody's ever seen anybody like Theodore Kaczynski. There you go. Wow. 17 active years. That's a long time, isn't it? That's a hell of a long time. I think, have you ever kept at anything for 17 years? Um... We've been friends for 17 years nearly, right? No, not even quite. Yeah, surely. I'm 30. We must have met when I was 15. So, I mean, maths so is that's off. That's 15 years. Bit. Yeah, 15 years, mate. Is it really? 50? Well, yeah, I mean, close enough. Close enough. I've been at something for 15 years then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've... Well, video games, I suppose. My job. Yeah. Nearly. Reading. You haven't done your job for, for 17 years, though. Not 17, though. 15. Masturbating. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that for <laughs> 17 years straight. <laughs> so hang on a minute. So <laughs> they ended up catching him. Are you Sorry, are you about to move on from Una Bomber? <laughs> Una? No, no, I'm not going to move Una. on from the Una. From Una. Una. Um... So how did so go, let's talk about him his capture then? Did they capture? Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about his end. Cool. I'm up for that. Let's do this. 
Following the publication of the manifesto, David Kaczynski and his wife Linda noticed chilling familiarities between his brother's letters and an earlier essay that Ted wrote. So I haven't put the manifesto in yet because we're going to talk about that in a second. But um, Yeah, I was going to say I'd like to hear the manifesto. But uh, mm. basically he... I'm going to get the wiki up because I'm, I don't want to paraphrase it. But it's basically before publication of the manifesto... Did he put the manifesto out? For the public, I think he didn't. He ask New York Times to publish it. Yeah, interesting. When did he? When did he publish this? Or was it like towards the end of his career? Or it, I'm trying to find where it is now. Uh, letters dating to the 1970s that Ted had sent to the newspapers to protest the abuse of technology. Uh, sorry, before Manifesto's publication, the FBI held many press conferences asking the public to help identify the Unabomber. They were convinced that the bomber was from Chicago area where it been, began his bombings. After the manifesto was published, the FBI received over a thousand calls a day for months in response. I don't get who and why they publicised it, though. I need to find that out right now. Because if uh, a serial killer or a serial terrorist, which he basically was, um, sends something to the press, is it irresponsible of them to publish it? Well, because Zodiac did the same stuff. Yeah, some yeah. Zodiac did. He would send puzzles and stuff to the press, um, and there's that whole quandary of like, is it irresponsible of them to publish this? They're like giving in to his demands. Yeah, yeah. Don't negotiate with him. Okay, so he he says. Uh, so the Zodiac was actually another one that I researched for this episode, but mm-hmm, yeah. obviously not going to fit fit him in uh, because no, that Zodiac would be a hell of a meaty episode. He's like one of the most mysterious figures of all time yeah so ted in similar fashion um sent letters to the new york times and washington post demanding they publish his manifesto and agree to print an annual follow-up for three years Uh, if they did the bombings would cease if not the unabomber hinted at more bombings to come uh so they printed it right by the looks of it uh but publication of the manifesto would end up being his undoing as we're about to hear um Maybe a step too far, but then maybe that was his aim to begin with, so maybe he didn't care about being caught, but uh, yeah. For three weeks, they pored over years of correspondence looking for telltale clues before contacting the authorities. Once convinced the Unabomber could be David's brother, they hired an attorney who contacted a criminal profiler to analyze the letters and contact the FBI. At the time, agents were actively following up on over 2,000 tips, and a recluse living in the backwoods of Montana didn't seem to match their expectations. Not until expert linguists analyzed the letters and the essay and determined that they were certainly the same man. FBI agents arrested Kaczynski on April 3, 1996, at his cabin, where he was found in an unkempt state. A search of his cabin revealed a cache of bombing components, 40,000 handwritten journal pages that included bomb-making experiments, descriptions of the Unabomber crimes, and one live bomb ready for the mailing. They also found what appeared to be the original typed manuscripts of industrial society and its future. By this point, the Unabomber had been the target of the most expensive investigation in FBI history. 
A federal grand jury indicted Kaczynski in April of 1996 on 10 counts of illegally transporting, mailing, and using bombs, and three counts of murder. Kaczynski's defense had attempted to use the insanity defense in order to avoid the death penalty, but Kaczynski refused. He tried to fire his attorneys and attempted suicide by hanging on January the 9th. On the judge's order, Kaczynski underwent a psychological evaluation by Sally Johnson, who gave him a provisional diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia. Regardless, he was determined to be fit to stand trial and instead pled guilty on all charges on January 22, 1998, in exchange for avoiding the death penalty. At the sentencing, Kaczynski displayed no emotion or remorse for his heinous crimes. The contents of his cabin were sold at auction and netted $232,000 for Kaczynski's victims. Today, Ted Kaczynski is serving eight consecutive life sentences in a maximum security prison in Florence, Colorado, where he spends 23 hours a day in his cell. He maintains an oddly active connection to many people on the outside through letters and contacts the media with regularity. The Labadee Collection, correspondence since his arrest with over 400 people, is housed at the University of Michigan's Special Collections Library. Further, his Montana cabin, seized by the U.S. government, is currently on display at the museum in Washington, D.C. Is he still alive now? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? The <laughs> wicked, uh, wicked man. Uh, yeah, I think the capture, the whole thing behind the capture. That um, I was waiting to see if they would go into it on the video, um, but didn't they use lots of uh, sort of? They got like li- linguistics experts to come in and look at his manifesto to try and. And they were able to decipher um, like little phrases and words and way that he used words to find out where he came from. So, um, uh, I, I don't know. I can't think of an example, but basically... Um, well, it's the biggest clue they've got, isn't it? Like something that he's written. So that's that's the route they're going to go down. That's, well, that's all they have, yeah. But it's, yeah. It, I think... Um, well, from from the series anyway, and I don't know how true this is. I don't know where where the truth lays in this, but in the series, it was they spent a lot of time initially just scouring the manifesto, looking for clues that were just hinting at an actual location, or um, they were like looking at and they're really racking their brains, and then eventually they found um, like one like a particular way that he wrote one particular word or something like that, and it was quite typical of one particular location in mm. America and they were able to kind of trace him through linguistics, um, which is pretty cool. So what was the manifesto? So I've got two uh, little videos on the manifesto. I haven't read it myself. Is um, it like I've... really long though? It's not just like a bullet point. It's not. It's quite long, yeah. Um, the audio book's about three hours. Oh, yeah, there's a few YouTube audiobook versions that you can listen to. That sounds weird. Oh, see, I was thinking it was like, you know, one side of a newspaper, big, bold writing, I don't like this, I believe in this. Oh, no, it's a proper philosophy paper. Right, it's a proper, proper big yeah, it's, manifesto. it's like a thesis okay. for uh, something. Because I, I was waiting for Tis to read it out, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. In terms of the manifesto itself... Hours. um. A lot of people agree with it in in many ways. Right. Um, They think it was a work of philosophy and, yeah, I don't know, not not to defend his means of how he carried it out, but 
his philosophy was right, I guess. Yeah, it's it's like he's doing the the wrong things for the right reasons. Yeah, I mean, I, at least what what people say. I haven't read the manifesto myself, so I can't endorse <laughs> quite no. yet. Are you going to read it? Uh, I'm not going to read it. Oh no, I don't I will, want to get brainwashed. I will read it in in the full. In yeah, no, it's okay. I'm not susceptible to brainwashing. Um, Let's listen to this one then. In 1995, Kaczynski contacted the media, blackmailing the New York Times and Washington Post into publishing his 35,000-word essay, Industrial Society and His Future. The media dubbed this the Unabomber Manifesto, and in exchange for its release, word for word, he would desist from terrorism. In his manifesto, Kaczynski asserts that the downfall of the human race can be attributed to the Industrial Revolution and modern technological society. He claimed widespread psychological suffering has taken place because of technologies destabilizing effect, and he argues people spend too much time engaged in useless pursuits such as the consumption of entertainment. Our society tends to regard as a sickness any mode of thought or behavior that is inconvenient for the system. And this is plausible because when an individual can't fit into the system, it causes pain to the individual as well as problems for the system. Thus, the manipulation of an individual to adjust him to the system is seen as a cure for a sickness and therefore as good. Kaczynski saw the only way of returning to wild nature and freedom was to destroy progress, which he believed was entirely possible. The manifesto's reception was regarded as a work of genius by some and entirely sane by others. It has been compared to Aldous Huxley's Brave New World and George Orwell's 1984. James Q. Wilson wrote that it was a carefully reasoned, artfully written paper. If it is the work of a madman, then the writings of many political philosophers, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, Tom Paine, Karl Marx, are scarcely more sane. He would hate what society has become now with regards to technology and entertainment consumption. Well, he's rotting in a cell having to live with it, so uh, that's, his, that's his penance for all the shit he did. It's like we were saying earlier, and Bobby, you said it when you started your degree, like, I don't agree with the system, but what am I going to do about it? I'm one person. This is just the world we live in now. But it's... I can't think about that too much because I hate that I've let go. <laughs> I've let go of my rebellion. I rebelled against the system all my life, and now I'm just like, fuck it. I guess I'll just take out a student loan and do the same shit that everyone else does. And if I think too much about it, I hate that I became part of the system. Mm. But it it'll it'll help you get to what you need and what you want in life eventually. Mm. But it's yeah, I think it's his yeah, I guess that's probably his biggest um punishment really is that he's not he's not faced the death penalty. He's now got to kind of endure and 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 live through um the progress that he hates yeah what just um, gobble up technology but that's that's part of that's part and parcel of everything isn't it you know we look at um you, you can't just have all good or all bad there's good and bad in everything you know mm. it's like you can't you can't just take the good of social media you've got to have the bad as well because that's you're going to get people that use it to promote charities or um or create awareness over something they're doing which is positive in the world and then you get people that like to troll and cause people lots of grief and it's the same mm. with same with any kind of progress isn't it it's you're going to get the good and bad of both of it and it's do you you have to make a choice like you're going to take part in that and kind of as i like to say 
um, leave the bones and eat the meat. Just take the good stuff. As um, Beef likes to say. As I like to say, <laughs> being a, a massive carnivore. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know if he did want to get caught, though. Do you think he wanted to get caught? I don't think he did. I don't think he wanted to get caught. I think he made the deal with the newspapers. I've, I... Do you think he would have stuck to that deal? <clears throat> I I genuinely think he would rather get his ideas out there than bomb people. I think that's why he chose right. that option. Like, Do you think he was getting sick of bombing? So he's like, if they do this, I'll stop bombing and then I'll just disappear into like my own little life. But then they said when they raided his cabin, there was a live bomb and they're ready to be sent out. Yeah, that's true. What a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wouldn't be the first time someone lied. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there you go. So that's that's Ted Kaczynski. Yeah. I could go more into the manifesto, but I, f- I feel like... Well, we our show is an overview show. We don't go deep. We've, we give yeah. an overview. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think we've done that. So it just it just reminded me talking about consumerism and the way we um you just like the what you know progression in our world I guess. I was listening to I was listening back to that Buxton episode with uh David Mitchell in it that came out earlier this year. Oh, I actually listened to that for the first time last week. All uh, right. I no, missed re- that one. Yeah. Oh, it was really good. Um yeah. Did you hear the bit when he was talking about how uh, they were talking about Amazon and Buxton was like, well, how do you feel about, you know, using Amazon? And yeah, yeah. He was like, I've, I realize how like disgraceful it is. And I realize how they treat their employees, but I also realize how much I like their efficiency and yeah. that they are so much cheaper than all the other competitors out there. So I've decided I'm going to keep using them, but I feel really bad about using them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, that's like that's 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 I don't know. I think that's, that's most people though. Yeah, that's that's, that's exactly me. I'm do the same thing. I'm like, oh fuck's sake. Well, I've got Prime as part of my like phone contract, so I guess I'll just use Amazon because it's so convenient. Yeah, but yeah. I do feel bad every time I use Amazon. Yeah, yeah then I'm not going to stop using it. What am I? If I can walk into <laughs> yeah. town and buying things from the shopper backward savage <laughs> but it's not just that it's like every time i've gone to buy a christmas i literally present, live in the city i can walk over there and buy stuff and i'm like eh. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a shop like right at the bottom of your house or something yeah <laughs> but it's not cheap is it that's the thing isn't it it's you not cheap. cheaper it, that's what's insane about the world it's cheaper to get something delivered to your house than to, to, to get off your ass and go out and buy it yeah never used to be like that no but um yeah, that's that's what I was. Every time I've gone to buy a Christmas present, I'm like, oh, I'll bet it's just cheap on Amazon though, and then it is, but mm. by like five pounds, you're like, it's just it's enough for me to not go. I don't yeah, want to exactly. go to Milton Keynes. I don't want to oh, forget. I said that. that to Becca at Thought Bubble recently. I was going to buy some stuff at Thought Bubble, and then I I saw some stuff I really wanted, and I was like, I'll just check how much this is on Amazon. I'm like. It's fucking like it's cheap. Everything is cheaper. I didn't buy anything. I just went home and ordered all the shit I'd seen on Amazon. Yeah, I did it because I bought because it's the difference is enough. Yeah, it is. I there was a couple of 
um, that I bought Joshua for Christmas. Don't tell yeah. him. Shh. Okay. Uh, shh. And um, he doesn't listen to the show, does he? Because this is going out before Christmas. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't listen <laughs> right. to the show. Um, I'll beep it, was... it anyway. I'll beep it just in case. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they were they were like they were like seven pound cheaper. And you're yeah. like, I can't justify that. Yeah. So a much couple, I said to Becca, out of thought bottles, like, if this was like two pounds difference, I'd buy it here. Yeah. Now to yeah. support a smaller trader and go home and read it today. But I'm like, this is so it's like half the fucking price on Amazon. Yeah, it's nuts. Mm. Fuck Amazon. Fuck Amazon. I love you, Amazon. I love Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that abusive Scum. relationship Slaves. you never had. Or, yeah, I never it's had. My relationship with Star Wars, <laughs> mate. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I, I I enjoyed this. I enjoyed learning about the Unabomber because yeah. I I didn't know anything about him. I'll tell you what I thought the Unabomber was. I thought it was a guy who strapped loads of bombs to himself and ran into a university. No way. Yeah, yeah, really? I thought he was the university bomber. I thought it was. Where does Unibrow? Una come from? Like, Una, where's? Because it was university. university and airlines. That's how it started. His first things were oh, universities and airlines. Okay. So it was Una bomber. See, I thought it was okay. him on his own. Like Una brow is like one brow. So <laughs> Una bomber is like one okay. bomber. The Una bomber. Uh, I would highly recommend, even though this makes, this is terrible because I've not seen the whole thing. But I would highly re- recommend going to watch Manhunt on Netflix. It's yeah, good, good little series, and um, yeah, I think a couple of the episodes really go into the linguistic side of it, which I found really interesting because you cool. got to see. I suppose now you watch uh, like um, there's some programs like Hunted and stuff like that, where you know you can you just get to see the resources that the police have that have got at their disposal when they want to find someone, and it's mental. I mean, it's not perfect, and it still difficult for people to for police to kind of hone in on one person that they're trying to look for but it's so much easier than it was 30 40 years ago when this guy was in operation so fair play to the to the detectives trying to find this guy it must have been a freaking nightmare Mm -hmm. like yeah that's impossible it's just really interesting yeah so it was a nice cheery episode for christmas for everyone that's it hmm Absolutely. It's a, it's a lovely Christmas uh, jaunt. Christmas present from us. Uh, last one for a while. We'll, we're uh, probably going to have... I think we said we'd have January off, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so we won't be back in January, but uh, we'll make a plan and we'll we'll be back after that. I hope everyone in, enjoys <laughs> their so, Christmas, enjoys their New Year. I feel so bad because every time we go away, people email us and... They're just they're not they're not demanding new episodes, but it's like when are you guys coming back? <laughs> it's like oh yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> but then also life gets in the way, so what can you do? Yeah, like we're all extremely busy. Yeah. Uh, uh I'm extremely busy. Um yeah, I'm a student and I, I work and Beef's a dad and he's also a student and Tiss is working. We're all really busy, but we're also committed to keep putting these shows out. Um, I don't know if we mentioned this before, but for listeners, next year we're thinking of doing the episodes in batches. So we have regular breaks, but when we're on doing episodes, they come out regularly. So you're going to have like batches of episodes um, with like the odd break rather than just sporadically us saying there's going to be no episodes for a while now and stuff like that. Uh, there's going to be more of a plan, I think. Hmm. 
for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, Rather put out decent content all the time than us not really put out quality stuff because we're committed to a schedule we can't fulfill. Yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll take Jan to uh, sort of relax and then we'll come back and we'll yeah we'll announce our plans going forward from then. I already said the first episode's back is going to be a ghost stories one, which are always really popular. So I'll. I'll Go through all the emails. We have so many emails of people sending ghost stories. Uh, so don't be offended if yours doesn't get read. I will go through and pick out a few um, and try and record with a few people and we'll put up a good ghost stories episode to launch us back in in Feb. And uh, yeah, we'll announce our plans for next year then. Maybe a weird news uh, next year. Yeah, bumper weird news. Bumper weird news. That yeah. sounds good. So, uh, listener of the week. Listener of the week. I'm going to give it to Lewis Green. Listen to the He emailed us, I think it was this week or last week. Uh, he's listened to the back catalogue. I think he's on his third run through. Wow. Listening to the whole catalogue. That's commitment. Big, big commitment. Uh, he, he was a bit sad that we had disappeared uh, in October because he couldn't remember us announcing that we were having a month off. Ah, uh, oh, okay. And um, he he was like, "Where are they gone? Where are they gone?" And then he re-listened to that newest episode, the, the latest episode at the time, when we said, "Oh yeah, we're having October off." And um, then he sort of got his head around it. But he sent a really nice, uh, honest, and open email, and um, mm. and uh, like really appreciate his support. Listened, like I say, he's on his third run through. So big, big dedication. Let's say there. Uh, so Lewis. Thanks a lot for listening, listener of the week. And uh, just so you know, listen to this now. I'm making you listen to the week, so you're here. We're having January off. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening, yeah. bro. Yeah, thanks, Lewis. Uh, the other suggestion we had, which I sent you guys, we had an email which was just called Dog of the Week? <laughs> Question mark. I think I remember so. this, yeah. I'm up for that. I'm up yeah. for Dog of every well, day. I was thinking, let's be a bit more vague. Let's make Pet of the Week. Pet of the week. It's, never, want, it's I, never gonna be a cat though, is it? I want a situation where cats are assholes. I like cats. They're hard I to like read cats a lot, but they're assholes. Uh yeah. We'll see. We'll say okay, we'll call it tentatively dog of the week, but if I get a really good cat or or goldfish, oh, then we'll no, be hang changing on a minute. It. I think it does need to be pet. You know, I've got a I've got a rabbit and Exactly I was gonna say, but if you haven't got a dog, you've got a rabbit. No, no, but rabbits uh, rabbits are a bit like cats, though, as well. She just keeps herself to herself. She's not interested. Cheats on my furniture. Does whatever she wants. She makes me die. Oh, yeah, she does kill Tess. She's ruined it's a also, few episodes. Yeah, it's not just you, mate. Rachel's brother can't step foot in our house. No way. As soon as he walks in, he's like balloon. <laughs> just That's one way to keep the in-laws out, babe. <laughs> yeah it's all part of my plan <laughs> anyway so the the suggestion was given to us from uh emma emma windsor liscombe she's uh been listening to the week before so emma you're not listening to the week but thanks for your suggestion your dog missy is our first dog of the week um i got a bit more information from emma today about the dog as well Ooh. so she sent us a picture yeah i, I sent, I sent I, that guy to yeah, you. I, beautiful dog it's got it's got one eye yeah it's a it's a one eyed rescue dog, oh. and um, they actually wrote a book about this dog. Wow! Uh, there's a book all about the dog, uh, the dog Missy, and also they said the dog Tiss. You're like this, okay? The dog. I don't know how. 
Yeah. I should have asked, but it was the inspiration for uh, them going vegan. Wow. So I don't know how. I don't mm. know if the dog was like, refused to eat meat. <laughs> and then they were like, we're going to be more like this dog. The dog just suggested <laughs> some very just eat vegetables. Uh, homely yeah. recipes. <laughs> Sliding notes under their pillow. <laughs> <laughs> just eat walls. But there we go. Uh, just eat fries. <laughs> Fry's family. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, any dog is a friend of mine, but a dog that turns people vegan is also a friend of mine. Yeah, it's got the test seal of approval. Yeah. They would have had it anyway, but just. Yeah. Fuck this. I want to be friends with any dog that's like Butch from Tom and Jerry just chowing down on a big old steak. (laughs) Eating bones. Right, okay, (laughs) listeners. So during our little time off over Christmas, send us some of your pets and we'll we'll maybe we'll make this an ongoing thing. Just just send us all the pictures of your pets. Not one person. Every listener send in your dog pictures. That'll cheer us up. uh, That is gonna pull us out of our amazing. That is just yeah. We get like we get treated to uh, two of our regular listeners. We get f- photos just on social media all the time. Get to see the dogs of uh, Sean. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Aww, Sean. Sean's dogs are the best. Sean's always got. Uh, I think it is Sean's dogs called Rolo. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is that <laughs> well, the chat? You're 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 getting rid of listener of the week material at the moment now. Well, cut it then, I don't know. Get pet, pet of the week. These could be future dog of the weeks. <laughs> Sean's dogs right. are going to be dog of the week cut soon, it. yeah, for sure. Sean's got a bulldog and a chow chow, hasn't he? Yeah. What a combo. Oh, I used yeah. to have a chow chow, so I've got a lot of love for the chow. Yeah. Uh. Right, anyway, so that's our <laughs> million segments we have now. We should really wrap up. We've recorded for ages. But, chow! Uh, guys, if you... Oh, to send your... <laughs> Dogs, uh, it is unexplainableuk at mail.com, or you can contact via the website weirdtalesandtheunexplainable.com. While you're there, you can check on the blog all the links to the things that Tiss has played us uh, this episode, and uh, there's a link post for blog post for every episode. Uh, there's a way to buy merchandise on there. I recently bought myself a fantastic 400 Years of Lies Shakespeare t shirt, it's great. Finally got myself one of them. Ooh, I need to you can uh, donate on there and you can find our social media pages and stuff on there. Go on the website. There's loads of stuff on there. Uh, I hope everyone has a lovely winter time. Merry Christmas if you celebrate it. And if you don't, have a lovely uh, break or winter break anyway. And um, yeah, we'll be back next year. Is there anything else we need to cover? When's when's Hanukkah? Isn't that like a now time Yeah, it's like well. around now. Kwanzaa, that's around now, isn't it? It's, like, it's why people say happy holidays. Isn't it? Exactly. Whatever you celebrate. Happy Hanukkah, happy Christmas, happy non Christmas. Yeah, happy, happy winter. Yule. Happy spending time with your family. Happy eating lots of your shit. family. Happy I didn't, depressed um, January. I didn't work out any outro music. I couldn't bother. Tiss, have you got, you got a new track, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I could chuck one of them in there. Yeah. Do you want do you want any tracks on it? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, All right, here we go. <laughs> People really enjoyed last time we put one of Tissy's songs up for the outro music, so we'll do a new Tissy track. Oh, amazing. Okay. That's it. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Just disappeared. <laughs> so coming right up is the new song from Tissy. <laughs> and uh, thanks for listening, guys. See you next year. Love you lots. Bye. Love you guys. Bye. 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 bye.
The Egyptians, were they mysterious? Now they were probably all c***s. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.